Hey everybody, this is your host Matt Castellini and welcome to Chicago Capital. Gabby, thank you so much for joining Chicago Capital. It is a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. This is a historic day because you are the first founder I've ever interviewed who references Bachelor Nation in your pitch. Um, first off, I am assuming you are an avid member of Bachelor Nation. Oh, of course I am. Just started watching the new season. I don't. Okay, so I haven't seen the new season. I went through a stretch there, though, where I watched basically every episode of the Hannah B years. And then I feel like I watched the Colton years. Like I went through a really deep dive on Bachelor and my roommate in New York watched it, too. So I got like really invested in Bachelor Nation at one point. So it's great to see a shout out. Yeah, it's it's addicting. Once you start watching a couple episodes, you can't get away from it. So, you know, if you're going to start watching this season, get ready to get hooked. (laughs) i've heard that this season has like a weaker crop of people like i've heard that people just aren't excited about this year's guys but like that's just the scuttlebutt around bachelor twitter which i'm weirdly kind of looped into i love it i love it yeah i'm interested i'm interested to see how it all shakes out all right well i assume we'll return to bachelor talk at some point this podcast but i'd first love to start with what you're building over at travel page uh i think everyone would love to first off get out of the house and travel more this year and travel more next year. I'm right now in the process of trying to figure out a trip to Nashville. I, we'd love to hear the uh, the origin of Travel Page and what you are building. Yeah. So the origin of Travel Page, I'll take you back a couple years here. And so kind of looking back at to even further, actually, before that, of my background as to why I started Travel Page. So on one hand, there is my passion for travel, which I studied abroad in college. I think I went to, I want to say 14 countries when I was tra- when I was studying abroad. Just got hooked. And after college, I decided to spend five months traveling before I started a career. So I spent three months backpacking in Southeast Asia, primarily solo, and two months in South Africa. So really have always been a passionate traveler. And then on the other side is, you know, my career choices and kind of how that led me to create Travel Page. Um, And so I studied marketing in college and I was working in digital advertising, you know, um, enjoying it. But I had taken a coding class in college and I got hooked. And the more I learned, the more I wanted to know. So while I was pursuing a career in marketing, I was taking night classes and going to weekend seminars and doing whatever I could to learn more. And I finally realized I want this to be my career. I want to switch into software development. And so it was at my coding bootcamp. I went to Full Stack, which is in Chicago and New York. It was there that they said, start working on something that you're passionate about, because if you're passionate about it, you'll want to code more. And I knew immediately that I wanted to solve the problem that travel page solves, which is two-sided. And on one side, I wanted a place where I could easily remember and share my travel experiences. And on the other side, I wanted to plan a trip with my network's recommendations. I love that. And I think it's so interesting to hear your kind of career evolution and how your passions perfectly combined. Okay, so your background in the amount of traveling that you've done basically makes mine look like I've never left my house. I'm <laughs> curious, 
throughout all that time, what, what were some of the most pain, painful sort of problems that you would run into while traveling or after the fact? And one thing you just mentioned that really struck a chord with me is, I, you know, I, I have traveled. I've, I've been to different countries and I've, I've been to fortunate enough to have been to Europe. But I feel like all my photos and memories kind of live in disparate places on my phone. And I posted a couple of Instagrams here and there. But I would not say I have a holistic kind of digital memory or archive of any trip I've taken. So maybe I'm I'm walking into the problem right here in the <laughs> totally. question, but 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 just curious your perspective, like what you thought of first and what the biggest problems to you were after you went through all these sort of trips. No, that's I mean that's exactly it. You just hit the nail on the head. Man, did uh, I just answer my own question? Ah. <laughs> you did a great job. You're hired. For me, I actually started it more for that post-trip side of people were always asking me for recommendations and I had such a hard time remembering the details. And like you said, there's the pictures were all over the place. So to create a list for someone took a long time and it took Googling and it took finding those pictures. And so that was the initial reason. On top of that, just my own personal memories and wanting to remember these precious memories. But when it comes to the planning a trip side, there was a few instances. One that comes to mind is my trip to Rome. And I was studying abroad. And I remember I felt so bad bothering my other friends who were studying abroad because they were doing their own traveling. They didn't have time to create a list for me. And at the same time, I didn't want to go to these touristy places. You know, I wanted that mom and pop shop off the beaten path experience. And I went to Rome and I had like math food, which I don't know who goes to Rome and doesn't have good food, but I, I accomplished it. And the worst part was after the trip, I was talking to one of my friends and she was just raving about this cute little shop they went to this restaurant they had to go back to it because it was so good and I remember thinking this is my closed friend and I couldn't get this information from her clearly there's a big problem here so could you walk users through the immediate use case of the app so if I sign up for travel page tomorrow you know what can I expect on the consumer journey at the very outset before I've gone on any trips yeah so when a user signs up for travel page, first of all, we've added something new, which is blocked entry. So either the user has to have an invite or they need a code. And once you get past that part, um, you know, you've got your generic signup process, but we've included a lot of connectivity with that. Um, so our core piece of connectivity is a user's contacts. Um, so they connect to their contacts and then right away it's, here's your friends who are already on travel page, connect to them right away. Once they get through, user gets through the signup process, they're brought to the explore page, which has both a map and kind of an Instagram feed look to discovering some trips. Everything in Travel Page is optimized around a user and their network. So you're much more likely to see your friends' trips on your Explore feed. And then a user's profile is a map of the world um, with pins for each place that you've been. So right away, you're also encouraged to start uploading locations that you've been to, as well as adding some details for past trips that you've taken. As far as the planning side, Search is obviously a core piece of the app, again, optimized around the user and their network. So when you search for a place, you can either view 
a friends location page, which is one user's time in Barcelona or wherever it may be, pictures, tips, reviews, or you can view an overall page. And within that, you can view your network's recommendations. So here's an aggregated view of all of your network's recommendations, compare it side by side. And then within the whole application, obviously maps are extremely important. So being able to look at a map view, click through the pins, see where everything's located and compare your network's recommendations that way. And then on top of that is a save piece. So you can save reviews for later, which is a big piece of how we get users to come back and remember what they found helpful. And so while I'm on vacation, I'm just thinking about the actual process of updating while on vacation. Is it as simple as, you know, I had a great dinner last night and I can immediately upload the recommendation onto the app, take a photo of the meal I had, and it'll show up in almost like an Instagram feed type interface and then write a little review. And I can sort of do that for every sort of event that I do on vacation. Yep, exactly. So yeah, as far as adding content, there's a big old add button and we try to make it as easy as possible to add reviews of places, to add pictures. Um, So we have an Instagram connection to pull in some Instagram pictures that you may have already uploaded. But while you're on the trip, quick add, really easy questions, overall review, stars, maybe tags as far as family friendly or vegetarian or whatever it might be. And really our focus has been making that uploading process as easy as possible. Uh, So something we just added was location tracking. So instead of you having to remember every place that you went, Travel Page will run in the background and record, right now in our beta version, it's just restaurants, but record all the restaurants that you were at for a certain amount of time. And so when you open Travel Page, it's here's a list of places we think you might want to add to your Travel Page. We'll make it as easy as possible. If you can add a couple of words on top of that, even better. Can I also, if I'm looking at a city, let's say Rome, can I look at experiences or look at points on maps where there might be an experience like visiting the, I'm about to butcher the name of the fountain in Rome, but tri- I'm not even going to try and say, fountain? you know yeah, sure, that yeah. fountain. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's embarrassing because I'm Italian and I can't remember the name of that fountain. Uh, it was in the Lizzie McGuire movie. I know that much. But yeah. so if you are trying to find... Best movie. Best movie of all time. If you're trying to find more about that, if I want to see if it's a tourist trap or if I should go or not, I just want to go quickly to that location. Can I do that within the app? Totally. Yep. There's tons of filters getting you exactly what you need in any city. Yeah, I think that's so helpful. Just parsing through the restaurants can be really intimidating. So having a map where I can see where my friends have gone and people whose opinions I value and that first word of mouth. And that's, I guess also that's sort of zooming, that's sort of zooming back for a second. Is there something about this app and the time that we're in right now and your decision to develop this right now that speaks to what millennials and Gen Z are sort of looking for in the vacation planning process? That's a great question. I think there's a lot of themes when it comes to millennial and Gen Z travelers, which is what we're focused on initially. And so I'll talk about a couple of those themes, but just in general, the core of it is everyone travels in a unique way. Everyone has different expectations and different things that they want out of a trip. But a couple of the themes that come up for millennials and Gen Zs, first of all, experience. I mean, they're looking for that cooking class. They're looking to be immersed in the culture. They're not necessarily just wanting to go sit on a beach. The second thing is 
insta-worthiness. So a lot of people plan their trip around where am I going to get the best pictures? I'm going to go to that cafe because it has a cute wall and I want to take a picture by it. And another scene that comes up is, you know, this off the beaten path and kind of the support of small businesses, which I think has grown even more over the past year. But when we look at a couple of those themes, it helps us see even further that we can't just trust any review on the internet because we don't know who they are. Like, I know which of my friends are Insta-worthy travelers, and I know which of my friends are looking for that quality food in the place where you're probably not going to get the best picture. Um, And so really knowing that information is extremely crucial. Is there like a core demographic within Gen Z and millennial within that kind of age cohort? Who are you targeting first, really, with this sort of consumer social app? Yeah, so within Gen Z and millennial, we're looking at that 20-something age group. Specifically, we're focused on females because they're much more interested in that post-trip uploading side, which is our main focus. And then like we talked about earlier, the segment of Bachelor Nation. We're launch- we just relaunched actually on the App Store this week. It's an exciting time. And we're focused on Chicago-based 20-somethings um, and specifically a segment of Bachelor Nation which is going to be a piece that we grow into as we expand past Chicago. It's my favorite customer segment <laughs> focus of a startup I've ever heard. Um, I, I, I am curious, though, more on the customer front. I randomly was reading Paul Graham had this famous post from Y Combinator talking about doing things that don't scale at the very early stages. So curious for you, you know, a year ago, what were some of those methods that you used to acquire those first 100 customers? How did you, I think that's one thing a lot of people who are thinking about starting a business or building an app, that daunting idea of how do I get the first 100 people to sign up for this thing and use it? What were some of the methods that you guys used to try and get people initially onto the platform? Yeah, so a year ago, these definitely were applicable. But even now, as we relaunch, we are still doing some of those non-scalable items and you know, making each user feel like an individual. As far as getting our first 100 users, really our focus our first year. So we launched in July of 2020 with an MVP version. And initially, I basically spread the word to my network and really wanted to see how word of mouth would take over because that is obviously a core piece of travel page. And so We've grown to about 400 users through our beta. We call it our beta phase, even though it was an open beta, but we you know, really wanted to measure that word of mouth piece. And then on top of that, as far as things that don't scale, so we relaunched this week. We took Travel Page off the App Store for a few months as we implemented a lot of things that we learned. Um, we went through a redesign. And so as we relaunch, we are reaching out to individual users we are doing uh, feature travelers. We are sending messages via multiple platforms to make sure, you know, if they're not opening travel page again and seeing a travel page method message, can we, you know, maybe reach out to them on Instagram if they've connected that way and ask them more details about a trip that they haven't finished uploading their details about. Curious about the last year with COVID. Did the fact that there was less people traveling, but sort of penting up demand. 
did that give you, do you think, a little bit of runway to develop this app, especially a year ago when no one was traveling? Did it give you a little bit of a buffer before you realized, okay, this is the go-to-market time that we need to hit? Absolutely, it did. Uh, initially, I was not so thrilled about launching in that environment, but it turned out to be a huge positive because like you said, it gave us that opportunity to learn from our users. Demand was building up. So now we're in an even stronger position to take advantage of this demand. You know, we've we've covered the holes in our leaky bucket. You know, obviously there's continuous learning process and continuous improvements, but we are in such a strong position to take advantage of this demand. Um, and COVID has allowed us to learn in a less intense environment. That makes total sense. I think looking out at the next 12 months, what does sort of the go-to-market or the product roadmap look like for Travel Page? What are some of the initiatives you're going to try and introduce? And where would you like the business to be in six to 12 months? Yeah, that's a great question. So as far as the product goes, we have some things in the works. So one thing is our web version needs the redesign as well. And we're really excited to relaunch that portion as well, because when it comes to travel planning, that's where people spend the most of their time. Um, another thing that we are launching that kind of goes hand in hand with that is a group trip planning functionality. Um, so within Travel Page, you can create a trip with your fellow, with your friends, your fellow travelers, and then utilize all of your networks to plan a trip and um, within that, there's an itinerary creation tool, there's voting, there's comments, anything you might need to make sure everyone's opinion is heard and you're planning the best trip possible. Um, so those are some of the big ticket items. But additionally, I mean, our focus continuously be, is on user-generated content, making it as easy as possible for people to upload, increasing that motivation. In the habitual cycle, how do we go with a trigger the action is as easy as possible. And we're giving that user the reward of letting them know, hey, your information was helpful or hey, now you have an amazing memory. You're never going to forget it. We talked about Instagram at the beginning. And I think that sort of falls in line with what I spoke about at the top of the show, having all these disparate memories of the trip, but nothing to compile them with and maybe posting a couple Instagrams and that was it. And on the topic of Instagram, who do you view as your biggest competitors today? Or how do you view the competitive landscape? Yeah, so when we look at our competitive landscape, really, as far as the planning side, we can group it into two different segments. And the first is the very searchable, detailed side that you get with searching online. The problem with this is that you don't know the reviewer, meaning the review is so much less valuable. And additionally, trust has become a huge issue, especially over the last couple years. And then on the other side, the other segment is resources where you know the reviewer, but either the information isn't very detailed or it's much harder to come by. Uh, maybe you ask a friend, but it's a huge burden you're placing on that other person to create a list for you. And there's a huge gap in the ecosystem for searchable, detailed content from people you know and trust. And then on the flip side, we have the post-trip side where when you're the person that gets asked for travel recommendations, like we talked about, it is so hard to create that list. And on top of that, these precious memories that we're slowly losing. Obviously there's Instagram, which captures a piece of it, but it's really only capturing such a small segment and only that Insta-worthy segment, not 
the true realities of a trip. Yeah, I know that there is a category of influencers called, I think, travel influencers. There's these people who travel around the world, and I think they get paid by the destinations to go and take those Insta-worthy photos. But are you guys almost a competitor to that category of influencer because you're trying to get the more realistic, on-the-ground, relatable content where I know a lot of complaints that people can have with some of these influencers, especially travel influencers, is it is it almost seems so manufactured and not like the actual real experience that I'm going to have if I go to Ibiza, for example. I don't know why I just picked Ibiza. That's just so randomly came to my head. I love it. I okay, never been there, but sure, we'll go with Ibiza. It sounds amazing. (laughs) I haven't either. (laughs) I'm curious if that's do you see this platform working in conjunction or Is that kind of the different sort of competitor that you see you guys going up against? Yeah. So I would say, honestly, it can be work in conjunction with these Insta travel influencers. I spend way too much time browsing their content. So I am a big supporter of all Insta-worthy pictures, even though I myself don't fall into that category. I love getting inspiration from them. Um, And it really helps, you know, decide maybe places that I might be interested in going. But when it comes down to getting the details and the authentic side of what is this trip actually going to look like for me, that's where I need my friend's recommendations. And that's where travel page comes in when you actually need to plan your real trip. Yeah, because I remember when I was planning a trip for Paris, I was looking at, I think, people's influencer page of their trip to Paris. But I was also having to go to these kind of random travel blogs. And I didn't know the quality of the taste of the blog. I didn't really know much about the person writing it. And that's how I mesh the two together. But, you know, and the trip turned out great, but it wasn't incredible. It took months to get to that point where I felt comfortable saying, okay, yeah, I want to, I want to commit one night out of four nights in Paris to this restaurant. So I think that's, that's, yeah, that's, and that's kind of an interesting thing that you guys are trying to bridge. Yeah, no, exactly. You couldn't say it any better. Maybe I should just be the guinea pig for travel page. I'll go to all the destinations, upload all the reviews, get you guys everything you need in order to get a foothold in those cities. Totally, totally. We'll just pay you to travel. Okay, sounds perfect. Um, Curious, speaking of payment, I would love to hear about the revenue model uh, for travel page moving forward. I I would imagine it's going to be ad-based or how are you thinking about that in the future? Yeah, so really, as far as Travel Page goes, we're in a unique situation where revenue is a down-the-line piece for us. Our focus is growing our user base, making the product more valuable for our users. And so once we have that user base, we're confident we'll be able to monetize. And obviously, we always have an eye on revenue and eventual profitability. And so you hit on kind of one of our four categories that we plan on looking into and testing as far as monetization, ads, partnerships, affiliate marketing. So do we want to build out the booking side of it within travel page even more and a premium feature set? I think, yeah, that makes total sense. I don't, I also know that there's this huge gap in the almost B2B space where a ton of employees are not taking their vacation days every single year. There's this big glut of PTO paid time off that's not getting used every year because they've been able to do studies that show non-planners, people who just don't like planning vacations or don't go through the process, you obviously this is this is kind of intuitive, but they don't end up taking vacations as much and they usually don't enjoy the 4 days a year that they do that they do take. So, 
you know, when you talked about channel partnerships or affiliates, is that sort of what you had in mind and, and maybe working with larger corporations to try and get um, employees, you know, sort of hooked onto the app or at least introduced to the app? Not what I was referring to in that piece, but definitely another interesting piece to explore, the getting people to travel more and working with companies to do that. Another piece there is the consulting world. So people that are going to it could sometimes be a random destination, but other consultants have been there and other people that they work with that they are familiar with have been there and have recommendations. But as far as the affiliate piece that I talked about here, it's more so for the booking piece. So when it comes to booking a hotel right now, bloggers can put that hotel on their blog. Um, You click and if you book within a certain time period, the blogger gets a piece of a piece of the booking. And so we plan on taking that piece of the booking by adding, you know, a book now button right on travel page. And then if someone books a hotel that has been reviewed or whatever it may be, um, we'll just get a small portion of that. Got it. Okay. That makes total sense. And I think if you're looking for influencers, I think you obviously got to go, you got to go with Tyler C. I mean, that, <laughs> that fits. if you can get Tyler C, this is a unicorn the next day. Tyler C, this is a call out to you. Start using travel page. We're going to tag him in all this and he's going to be yeah. like, who are these people? Um, <laughs> no, I'm totally serious. But yeah, uh, I think that makes total sense. Looking forward, I would love to hear it, your fundraising plans. Are you actively fundraising? Is that down the road? What are you, what are you guys looking to do in terms of you know raising capital? Yeah, we are just diving into a seed round here, raising $1.3 million. And so we're really excited to be able to show off our, our stats from our relaunch, which has been going really well so far. Knock on wood, we can continue down this path. And really with, with our fundraising plan, right now I am the sole developer. So I am CEO slash CTO. And it is time for us to hire a another developer and for me to put my focus towards being the CEO of TroutPage. And so really, that's the main bucket, growing our team and also testing our marketing strategies, as we talked about, always keeping word of mouth at the front of those. What has it been like for you? I know you went to uh, U of I. I'm not sure if you're from the Chicagoland area, but um, curious about what it's been like to be a founder in Chicago, how you found the whole process and if there's any great you know, programs or initiatives that you'd love to give a shout out to that have been helpful? Yeah. So I'm from Chicago. I love this city. I always knew that I wanted to grow travel page in Chicago. I get asked quite a bit, you know, if I think about moving to San Francisco and growing the company there, but really I don't think it's necessary because first of all, we have some great talent in Chicago. And on top of that, Especially with this last year, Zoom has become a huge piece of our lives. And so we have this ability to connect to anywhere really easily. And besides that, I just, I could talk for hours about why I love Chicago as much as I could talk for hours about why I love travel and all the places you should go. But as far as resources go, your other part of your question, I know that people have mentioned this on this podcast before. But 1871, and specifically the Pyros program within 1871, has been a game changer. Rachel runs that program, and she has done an amazing job. If you're a founder in Chicago, go go sign up right now. You will not regret it. It has been such a change, such a big impact on my startup journey, and I've met so many incredible people. 
yeah, as you said, that has been mentioned multiple times in the podcast, and I'm now getting to the point where I think I'm officially asking 1871 if I can just use their podcasting recording studio from here on out. I mean, at this point, I think it's a fair ask. Oh my gosh, for sure. I'm sure they would love that. And one point that I think is also interesting too, I had Rick Desai at Listen Ventures on very recently, and a, a point he made that really stuck with me, and I think actually applies to Travel Page, which I just find fascinating. Chicago, the Midwest, probably does represent the average American consumer. You're sort of freed of the bubble potentially that you might have on, you know, New York or, or San Francisco. Those places are amazing for building social apps and for building tech companies. But I think you get to sell here to the average American consumer. I think the average American consumer, they're looking to travel to places that are not always the most covered in terms of influencers or travel blogs. Um, you know, it's not always going to Paris or going to Ibiza, giving Ibiza just a lot of shout outs on the show right now. But there are places, you know, I was I went to Sheboygan, Wisconsin last summer, and I would have loved something like a travel page. And, you know, just those places in the Midwest, those places in the middle of the country that people love going to, but maybe don't get the same level of exposure as as you know, the more you know, destination or Instagram, Instagrammed areas of the world. Curious, just your thoughts on that dynamic for Travel Page? Absolutely, and I'm so glad you brought this up because I think a question we get a lot is people are only going on one or two big trips a year, so why are they going to come back? And realistically, Travel Page can be used in any city. So that Sheboygan, Wisconsin, those quick weekend trips or even your hometown, that's been another thing we've been focused on is, you know, Chicago is a destination for other people, but also you can be a traveler in your own city. And so I love that you bring that up. Yeah, no, I, I think it's really fascinating. And I think that sort of use case for it, it really does, I think, open up the opportunity to service, you know, a part of the country or parts of the country that traditionally have not been serviced by, you know, the travel blogging and sort of the Instagram influencers. Gabby, this has been amazing. I want to thank you so much for joining us on Chicago Capital. If people want to find Travel Page, if they want to follow you or the company, where can they go? If you want to download Travel Page, it's available on iOS only. Travel Page is spelled T-R-B-L page. And you can use the code CC Travel, again spelled T-R-B-L, to skip the waitlist and join right away. And then if you want to follow along on Instagram, our handle is travel again T-R-B-L dot page. Awesome. Gabby, thank you so much. Can't wait to see what's next for Travel Page. Thank you so much for having me. If you are a founder seeking venture capital investment at the pre-seed through Series A stage, check out Manifold Group. We're a venture holding company based in Chicago with offices in Dallas, Los Angeles, and soon Atlantic Canada. We believe early stage private investments represent an excellent investment opportunity, but existing investment models in the space leave much to be desired. Manifold is a new model for growth in the new economy designed to create and capture value at the early stage through synergies across its venture fund, incubation and acceleration studio, and advisory firm. Learn more about Manifold at www.manifold.group. And please tune in for the next Chicago Capital episode.